What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the 60 Feet, 6 Inches LSU podcast. As always, thank y'all for joining me. In this episode, I will preview the upcoming four-game weekend series for the Tigers. Yes, four games as they take on Butler and Central Connecticut State. I will give you my three keys to the weekend, the get right, stay right list, the weekend prediction, and finally finish it off with the SEC rundown. As always, you can find the 60 Feet, 6 Inches LSU podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, and other major audio platforms. If you're reviewing this on the 60 Feet, 6 Inches YouTube channel, please make sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on any of the content throughout the year. On Twitter, the account is at 60FT6INLSUPOD. Once again, that's at 60FT6INLSUPOD. Make sure to hit that notifications bell and interact with me during the games and throughout the weekend. If you missed the last episode, I reviewed the 3 to nothing LSU win over Texas in Austin. As always, that podcast is linked on Twitter, an account, in the podcast and YouTube versions. So let's get into it. LSU versus Butler and Central Connecticut State this weekend. But first, let me explain and go over the schedule for the weekend since it is a bit different. Friday night, LSU will play Butler at 6.30. On Saturday afternoon, LSU will play Central Connecticut State at 1.30. Then coming back to do it all over again on Sunday, LSU versus Central Connecticut State at 1 o'clock. And then Friday, Monday night, LSU finishes up their weekend series with a game versus Butler at 6.30. Each team will play four games with LSU being the only team to play one game each day while the other two squads will play a doubleheader one day. A bit of an overview for the Tigers so far in 2023. LSU comes into this weekend series ranked number one in the country. They are 7-1 on the year. Their team batting average is 304. They've hit 14 doubles and 11 home runs. In my opinion, the power numbers seem a little bit down, as you uh, may have thought they would be at this point in 2023. Dylan Cruz is 19th in the country in batting average, hitting 519 on the year. He is 7th in the country in on-base percentage. The Tigers' team ERA is doing very well in the fours, but they are holding their opponents to a 197 batting average, giving up the 10th fewest hits allowed per nine innings pitched in the country. Paul Skeens is also number two in the country in strikeouts. And I would imagine that number will go up this weekend. Fielding percentage, just a true bright spot for LSU this year. They are fielding at a 989 clip, which is good for 16th in the country in this young season. An early gold-plated money stat for y'all, Gavin Dugas has hit in every game this season, so has an eight-game hitting streak, and both Dugas and Cruz have been on game, have been on base, excuse me, in all eight games this season. So if you want to impress your friends and your baseball aficionados out there, throw them that gold-plated money stat. Now I'm going to break down each of LSU's opponents for the weekend. First, we're going to start off with the Butler Bulldogs out of Indiana probably better known for their basketball team. Coming into this weekend, Butler is 2-6 and six on the year. They're on a five-game losing streak. They did come off a very tough weekend series where they traveled to Campbell, and Campbell was a regional team last year. In 2022, it was a rough year for Butler. They finished 20-35-1 with a 4-16 and 16 record in the Big East. And for 2023, Butler is picked to finish last in the Big East. Some team stats for this young season for the Bulldogs. 
2023, Butler as a team is hitting 238, which is not very good. They have three guys over 300, and they've only hit five home runs on the year. So far, they've already struck out 93 times, which is a ton. And by comparison, LSU has struck out 74 times as a team in 2023. And that's coming off the back of four games in which the Tigers struck out double digits. So Butler, a ton of swing and miss in that lineup. From a pitching staff perspective, Butler has an 8.57 team ERA. Their opponents are hitting 3.0, excuse me, their opponents are hitting 3.07 against them early in the season. And they have struck out 71 opposing batters and walked 55. So not a big differential there when you look at strikeout to walk ratio for the Butler Bulldogs pitching staff. Fielding, it's pretty rough as well. It's all around been a rough start for Butler this year. They have committed 18 errors in eight games so far, which is good for a 9.39 fielding percentage. In terms of some of their key players to watch for Butler this weekend, they have two very good starters. I have a feeling LSU is going to see a left-handed starter, much to the chagrin of all the LSU fans listening to the pod right now. I think I heard a collective sigh. But I have no clue, no idea how to predict who LSU will see on Monday when they wrap up the weekend series facing Butler. I believe LSU is going to face left-handed pitcher Corey Bosecker, who has a 2.70 ERA with 10 innings pitched, 14 Ks, and only four walks. He is only allowing hitters to hit 171 against them. So very impressive for that young man. And that was coming off the back of a good year in 2022. They also have right-handed pitcher Aaron Baracus. He is 1-0 in 2023 with a 2.0 ERA, nine innings pitch, nine hits, and eight Ks. If I'm the Butler coaching staff, they actually play two games on Friday. They play Central Connecticut State first and finish with LSU. I'm definitely throwing the lefty, Basecker versus the Tigers bats. And maybe the Monday guy, this is a total shot in the dark by me, it may be Alex Voss. He has one game started on the year with a 4.70 ERA. In seven and two-thirds innings pitched, Voss has allowed 10 hits with eight Ks. In terms of their hitters, this is pretty impressive. It really starts with a freshman. His name is Joey Urban. He is an infielder. He leads the team in basically every category in 2023. He is hitting 371 with three doubles, two triples, and three home runs. So an impressive start to the season by that young man. They also have a San Diego State transfer by the name of Xavier Carter, who is hitting 308. They also have a Louisiana connection for Butler. They have Scott Jones, who played at LSU E in Eunice, has since gone on to Butler. He's a, he's a sulfur kid, so it'll be nice come coming for him. He is hitting 300 on the year for the former Louisiana product. And they also have Carter Derigi. I don't know if he's any relationship to the Derigi that goes to Iowa, who tortured LSU on Saturday. But Derigi for Butler is hitting 294 with two doubles on the year. <clears throat> and that's really about it. Look, there's not a ton to go off of when you look at these teams. They didn't have a great year last year. Big time roster turnover. Haven't gotten off to a great start this year. They do have a challenging schedule when you look at playing Campbell then LSU. They face Michigan in the midweek. They face Notre Dame in the midweek. I think they have a three-game set with Cincinnati coming up. They have a new coach there. I think this is his second year there. So he's really trying to up the level of that program. Obviously, they're not picked to finish very high in the Big East. Actually, last. So that's not high at all. But uh, he's trying to turn the program around. It's just going to take some time, I think. 
getting on to Central Connecticut State, and I'm going to be honest, I'm going to call them CCSU from now on just because Central Connecticut State is just a mouthful. Coming into this weekend, they have not played a game. They were supposed to have a game on Tuesday. It got canceled. So they are much like Western Michigan. I'm sure weather is a huge factor for those guys. I don't know if they've been outside yet or not, but have not played a live baseball game that counts in 2023. In 2022, though, they're actually referred to as the Blue Devils, and they have a really cool mascot, cool logo design. CCSU went 29-18, and 17-10 and 10 in conference play, and they are in the Northeast Conference. LSU does have some history with CCSU. If you remember in 2021 when LSU went to the Eugene Regional out in Oregon, they actually played CCSU, I believe, in an elimination game, and LSU won that contest 6-5. to five. This year, they are picked to finish first in the Northeast Conference for 2023. When you look at some of their team stats from 2022, as a team, they hit 293 with 45 home runs. They had a very good pitching staff with a 4.58 team ERA, a 2-to-1 strike-to-walk ratio for that staff, and they allowed a 297 opponent batting average. A pretty good fielding team as well were the Blue Devils in 2022 as they came in with a 974 fielding percentage. But when you look at their roster in terms of their turnover from last year to this year, the strength of their team undoubtedly lies in the arms they have. They have some very good arms that have returned. And once again, big collective side, they have a bunch of lefties. And I'm sure LSU is going to see probably three of them throughout the weekend. In terms of the hitting, a ton of turnover when you look at the infielders and outfielders. And I think it's going to be a little bit rough for the Blue Devils this weekend facing the arms that LSU will throw out at them. But let's get into the strength of that team for Central Connecticut State, the pitching. They have all Northeast Conference first-team selection returning, and that is left-handed pitcher Anthony Mazzucato. Last year, he had a 7-4 record with a 3.25 ERA. I tell you what, I'm getting ready to get in some of these Italian names, and I'm going to tell you myself, but Bill Frank is definitely going to have his work cut out for him this weekend when he announces the CCSU players. The Blue Devils also return left-handed pitcher and starter Vincent Spazuko. He was the 2022 Northeast Conference Rookie of the Year. He went 6-2 and two last year with a 3.77 ERA. And if I had to bet, I think LSU is going to face him on Saturday. They also have an all-Northeast Conference first-team reliever in Luke Garofalo. Truly impressive stats. Luckily, he is right-handed. He was 5-1 and one last year with three saves a 1.26 minuscule ERA. That's amazing in this day and age. 57 Ks and 43 innings pitch. So he threw a ton of innings. Not like he only threw, two, not like he only threw 20 innings with a 1.26 ERA. 43 innings pitched, three saves, 57 Ks, and a bunch of appearances for Luke Garofalo. Another left-handed pitcher that could start is Dominic Nimmin. He was 4-4 four four last year with a 3.62 ERA. So LSU faces Butler, Central Connecticut State, Saturday, Sunday, then Butler again. So I think CCSU will probably start a lefty on Saturday and then a lefty on Sunday versus LSU, if I had to guess. And then you're looking at Butler potentially starting a lefty. So LSU is going to get their fair share of lefties thrown at them. And last weekend, they really struggled when you look at the left-handed starter for Kansas State and then the lefty Simpson that came in relief of Iowa and really shut the Tigers down through his four-inning stint. Now, they got some of that mojo back when you look at how they hit the lefties for Sam Houston and just the damage they did in that game in general. Up and down versus the lefties they saw from Texas. So this weekend, 
will be a bit of a challenge. I don't know what these guys' stuff looks like, but just in terms of LSU's overall struggles versus left-handed pitchers early in 2023, I think they're going to see a ton of them this weekend. When you look at CCSU's hitters, the main guy that stands out is Hunter Pasqualani. Second team, all Northeast Conference last year. He was fourth in the conference batting average with a 338 clip, second in runs scored, and third in hits. After that, there's a really big drop-off, in my opinion, as most of these key hits are gone. They do return Michael Torniero, who hit 275 and four bombs last year for the Blue Devils. Also, Kyle Gordon returns. He hit 357 in a part-time starting role, so I would imagine he's going to be a starter this year. And then you have Joe Rios, who hit five home runs as well in 2022 for Central Connecticut State. Now moving on, what are my three keys to the weekend for the Tigers? One, starting pitching. Remove Paul Skeens. I think he's going to dominate on Friday. I have no reason not to believe he will just continue to put up zeros and rack up the K total. But how will these other starters do? I think you will see Riley Cooper again on Saturday and Chase Shores again on Sunday. And hopefully Shores gets to be extended a little bit till we're getting past the two-inning mark, and hopefully he can go four innings on Sunday. Monday, flip a coin. I think it could be Hurd, Floyd, or even somebody like Blake Money. One thing to take into account, LSU does have a midweek game this week against a very good Lamar team who has beaten Texas A&M this year. So you wonder if Jay Johnson and Wes Johnson decide to save Hurd for Wednesday. I would probably keep him on Monday and then look at going Money, Floyd, if you need to, on Wednesday because then you have a good Sanford team coming in next weekend. I think it is key for the other three starters to establish themselves in terms of the Saturday, Sunday, Monday guys. I look for them to have good, efficient, and clean outings. To me, it would be very worrying if one of those Saturday, Sunday, Monday guys got knocked out in the second or third inning versus one of these teams coming in, and then you have to tax the bullpen. The second key to the weekend for me is hitting. Can LSU cut down on the double-digit strikeout totals they have been racking up the past four games? 54 strikeouts in the last four games, not a great trend. And can they show the ability to score in more than two or three innings in a game? Much like they did versus Sam Houston, I think it's a lot, it is a lot to ask to score 16 runs in every game this weekend, but they can continually put pressure on these pitchers that they're going to face drive up pitch counts, capitalize with runners in scoring position. And I really look for them to score in multiple innings throughout all all four contests, unless some of these lefties that get thrown at them are very dominating. I would love to see those guys score one in the first, two in the third, one in the fourth, maybe two in the sixth, and one in the eighth, just constantly on base, constantly putting pressure on these other teams, pitching staffs, And that's what stresses them, and that's what wears them out, and that's what gets you into the bullpen. And when you're facing teams like this, they may have a couple of good frontline starters and maybe one, possibly two guys in the pen they can rely on, but they're not going to have the depth. And then when you look at a four-game series, these guys are going to get very taxed when you get to games three and four. Finally, my third key for the weekend, role players. I'm excited to see a lot of these guys that haven't gotten a lot of run in 2023 play this weekend. Hopefully they get their shot, they get multiple ABs from the pitching side of things, they get multiple times to pitch or they get stretched out beyond an inning or an inning in a third. 
guys specifically that I'm thinking about are veterans like Beloso, Pearson, Merrifield, Malazzo, Travinsky, and then younger guys such as Kling. We've seen him in and out the lineup, but I would love to see him start another game beginning to end and get three to four ABs, let him get on a little bit of a roll. And obviously I think people really want to see more of Gavin Guidry and then Ethan Fry, whether it be a DH first, or maybe even behind the dish. In the pen, I would love to see more of Garrett Edwards. I think he's proved throughout the fall and the spring and the early appearances this year that he could be a factor in that pen. So I would love to see him throw twice. Ackenhausen, old nasty Nate, he absolutely dealt against Texas, so can't wait for his next outing whenever that comes this weekend to see if he continue on that trend that he established versus the Longhorns. And then money, what's going to be their role this weekend? Do they come in and put out a fire, or are they saved for Monday and maybe split up that start, or are they saved again for Wednesday versus Lamar? Also, Griffin Herring from the left side. He's going to add a lot of value, and I think the more innings he gets under his belt before conference starts, the more confidence he's going to gain adding to the left-handed arsenal we have down there with Ackenhausen and him, and who knows what happens with Cooper as we move along in the season. <clears throat> and this is something else I've been thinking about, and I may have missed Jay Johnson say this in a press conference, or this may have appeared in a newspaper article, but I don't know what's going to happen with DJ Primo, Aiden Moffitt, and Nick Bronzini. Those are all young freshman pitchers. They haven't appeared in a game of yet. So I don't know if those guys have already been told that they're going to redshirt or were they waiting for a weekend like this to get their feet wet, to get them out on the mound against a little bit of an inferior opponent with Butler and Central Connecticut State coming to town. All right, get right, stay right. Here it is. This is one of my favorite segments. Hopefully y'all enjoy this too. First off, let's go get right. Who needs to get right this weekend in this four-game set? First off, Tommy Tanks. Yes, I think he's still injured. He's coming off that injury from the first game in the season. And he just probably hasn't hit like himself, oh, in my opinion, or what you've expected from the number one transfer portal guy in the country. I would love him string together four games of multiple hits. And it'd be a fabulous time to get his first home run as a Tiger. Yes, he hasn't hit one as a Tiger yet. On the year, Tanks is hitting 222 with two doubles and only one RBI. Tommy Tanks, he's right up there on my get right list. Number two on the get-right list, Trey Morgan, who usually hits around tanks in the lineup. I think he's been a little off as well. We know he ran into the wall in Round Rock last weekend. It seems like it hasn't really affected him, but I don't know if it's been affecting him at the plate. This year, Morgan is hitting 269 with seven hits on the year. But we got to remember, four of those hits came against Southern when he hit for the cycle. So if you look at Seven other games. He only has three hits in seven other games. So I would love for him to have a very similar weekend to Tommy White. Multiple hits in multiple games, hit another ball out the park, and just have an overall great, typical Trey Morgan weekend. He's hitting balls opposite field. He's smashing doubles. Just getting back to getting into the 300s for that young man. And then finally on my get right list is Bryce Collins, the right handed reliever. For the Tigers. In his two appearances this year, he has looked a little off to me. He has one and two-thirds innings pitched, four walks, and one K. That's not the Collins that I remember from last year, and that's not the Collins I saw in the fall and the spring. Obviously, his velo's up, but his control is just off somewhere, and I would love to see him right the ship this weekend and get back to that 2022 performance. Hopefully, he can get multiple outings this weekend to where if he throws 
Saturday, let's say, then he can come back and throw again on Monday. Maybe he gets two innings Saturday and then two innings again on Monday to work out whatever kinks he's going through and get back on track before we start conference play. Now, that's get right. Who needs to stay right? Well, I'm going with my man, Dylan Cruz. He is Mr. LSU. He is the alpha dog on this team for 2023. He is off to a great start. And I think he will definitely continue that this weekend. But I'm surprised he only has one home run on the year so far. But I know he's the first person that other teams circle when they sit down and talk about LSU and they go over the scouting report. He's, he's getting pitched very tough this year. But I thought Cruz has shown phenomenal patience in several of his at-bats early in the year, and especially with two strikes. I think his two-strike approach has been amazing. For the year, Cruz is hitting 519, and he has a 649 on-base percentage. He also only has five strikeouts to seven walks. So a very patient approach by Cruz this year. We know he's getting pitched tough. We know they're not going to give him anything to hit if other teams can avoid it. And I think he's been amazing. He's, he looks even more dialed in if that's possible. And I think he's even upped his game in the outfield. He's made really great catches going towards either gap or going back towards that center field wall. So stay right, Mr. Cruz. Another guy I want to stay right is y'all know how I feel about Ty Floyd. But Ty Floyd, I want you to stay right this weekend. And does he earn his first start of the year for the Tigers with a four-game set coming up? Does he make a brief relief appearance over the weekend and then start Monday or start Wednesday? I don't know. But I just want Ty Floyd to keep throwing darts out there. So far in 2023, Mr. Floyd has two appearances with six innings pitched, two hits, and nine Ks. And what I would love to see from Ty this weekend, we know he has a dominating fastball, and he can really throw 80% fastballs and live off that and get the majority of people in country out. But I think this weekend when he comes in, I would, leave to see, I would love to see more of his other pitches, his curveball, his much-improved changeup to go along with that dominant fastball just to get him comfortable throwing those pitches in different counts, right, like a 1-0 changeup or a 2-1 breaking ball to where – I'm sure him and Wes Johnson know that he can dominate against probably both of these lineups with this fastball, but let's start mixing some other pitches in so that he's ready to roll for SEC conference play. Finally, my prediction for the weekend. I think LSU is going to win all four games. I think this is more about LSU than it is against the other teams. I truly do. I think they do have the ability to struggle early on versus CCSU and their pitching staff, especially if they see back-to-back left-handed starters on Saturday and Sunday, and then CCSU does have that big-time arm in the pin. I think the LSU pitching staff is going to dominate both of these lineups and throw up a ton of zeros on that scoreboard. I would love to see a big power display from these LSU hitters, especially once they get into the bullpen of these other two teams. And with Central Connecticut State not having played any games, sometimes scouting reports can be a bit thin. You know, you have to rely on what people remember from last year with who they have coming back. Much like the Texas game where Texas rolled out five and six relievers, you wonder if LSU had a complete scouting report on all those guys being it was the seventh game of the season. I'm also very interested to see other position players, as I mentioned earlier, get used more often. Hopefully LSU can establish a big lead and Jay Johnson can rotate guys in in the fifth and sixth inning and leave them out there and get them two or three ABs if possible. 
And I want to see how some of these guys play in the field. And then finally, I'm very interested to see how the pitching rotation shakes out for this weekend with the odd four-game set. I mentioned it briefly before, but do Cooper and Shores stay in the weekend rotation? Who starts Monday? And then subsequently, who starts Wednesday versus Lamar? We know Jay Johnson doesn't like to release his pitching staff uh, rotation, and sometimes it's even TBA. So I've been wrong the majority of this year. I'm sure I'll be wrong again, and JJ will throw us another curveball. All right, let's get into one of the newer segments we started here on the 60 Feet 6 Inches LSU podcast, the SEC Rundown, where I go over key SEC games for the weekend with our conference opponents and something you may want to look out for. There's not a ton of great matchups when I look at this weekend, but you have several teams that are still involved in tournaments out there. So this weekend, you have the Shriners Classic in Houston, which LSU has been a participant in multiple years. You have the Frisco Classic, so Frisco, which is just north of downtown Dallas. And then you have the Cambria Classic in Minneapolis. At Shriners, you have A&M taking on Louisville, Rice, and Texas Tech. I believe the Aggies, they struggled last weekend against Portland. Who would have saw that coming? But I think they go 2-1 and one in the Shriners Classic. Right off the bat, they play Louisville, and that's who they played in the Supers last year. So I'm sure there's some bad blood between those two teams. Rice is not nearly as good as you all probably remember. And then Texas Tech. They've been on a bit of a roll, but by the time that game's around, game comes around on Sunday, who knows what these teams have left in terms of arms. In Frisco, you see the Bulldogs of Mississippi State as they will battle Ohio State, Cal, and Oklahoma. I think State goes 2-1 and one on the weekend, slugging their way to a couple of wins. And then if they do lose, kind of in typical 2023 Mississippi State fashion, it's going to be like 10-9 to nine or 12-8. to eight. You know, they got to get that pitching figured out over there in Starkville. Heading up to Minneapolis, you have Ole Miss and Vanderbilt competing in the Cambria Classic. So they will take on Maryland, Nebraska, and Minnesota. So it'll be interesting because Ole Miss just played a three-game set with Maryland, and it seemed like things got a little heated between those two teams. So they get to renew that mini rivalry that they just uh, that just took place in Oxford. To me, Maryland is by far – the biggest test for either one of these two SEC teams. So I think Vandy will go two and one on the weekend, dropping a game just because I don't think they hit the ball that well. And I think Ole Miss will sweep this weekend. They've been pounding the ball as of late, but they did struggle with Louisiana Tech, dropping one of the, one game to those guys on Tuesday night, I believe, as Louisiana Tech went to Oxford and played a Tuesday-Wednesday midweek series. In Knoxville, the Vols take on a below-average Gonzaga team. You know, Gonzaga's been a regional team for the past couple of years, but they've really had a tough go early on in 2023, and their schedule has been kind of a nightmare, and it doesn't get any easier as they go to Knoxville to play in that band box. I think Tennessee is going to sweep those guys. So it'll be a 3-0 weekend for the Vols. Arkansas takes on Wright State. I think the Hogs go 2-1 and one on the weekend. And then actually a couple interesting series. you got some rivalry series going on this weekend as Miami travels to Gainesville to take on the Gators. So that should be a very fun and mid series. I have Florida taking two out of three from the Canes. South Carolina to take their in-state rivalry team in Clemson. i got the Gamecocks sweeping that series as Clemson's down and South Carolina's riding high with a ton of confidence. They were my sleeper pick in the SEC East. And then finally the Dogs take on the Ramblin' Wreck. Georgia Tech versus Georgia, and I have Georgia Tech taking two out of three from the dogs. 
So that will do it for this week's preview of the upcoming weekend series as LSU takes on Butler in Central Connecticut State. Thank you all for tuning in. As a reminder, subscribe to the YouTube channel so you can catch all the content and follow me on Twitter at 60FP6INLSUPod. This podcast will be available on Google, Apple, Spotify, and all the other major audio platforms. Next up, we will do the weekend review series. And until next time, stay safe and as always, Go Tigers.